and gore, and sometimes a little more, my bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello, excellent news today, we are on our thor- 34th episode of my bloody podcast we have very special guest here today our our amazing our amazing friend down south in deep in the heart of texas deep in the growing of texas actually i think (laughs) deep in the kidney of texas but uh we are my bloody podcast and we are going to be talking today about m night Shyamalan's unbreakable trilogy that's unbreakable split in the new glass movie uh, we have all seen it. We're going to be talking about it. Uh, we have tons of good news, bloody questions, recommendations. We are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Google Play. Um, Brian Kluger and I am with Preston Barta, the the Jason Muse to uh, the Kevin Smith, the Jay and Silent Bob duo of movies, horror movies, I think. I don't know which one's which, but uh, <laughs> Preston, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing well. So are you, are you Silent Bob in this situation? I don't know. I don't know who talks more. Maybe you. I don't. Maybe me. I don't know. <laughs> I got the personality of Silent Bob, and uh, yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. But we're we're good. And then our our, our favorite friend down in Houston, Texas, the uh, the the amazing, the legendary, the uh, the intercontinental champion of horror films and horror f- film festivals, J. Cole Clay. What is up, buddy? Uh, hello, I am here, and I am going to be doing... I'm going to be switching from N. Night Shyamalan characters, uh, so I'm going to be like... I'm Changing be different like, accents. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be like the Kevin Wendell Crumb of M. Night Shyamalan characters, so I'm going to switch from, from Hedwig to David Dunn, to Cole Sear, to maybe to even uh, Donnie Wahlberg at the beginning of... Actually, you know who I want to be? You know who I want to be? I want to be Freddie Rodriguez from Lady in the Water and just work out one We're side one, of my body. One side of your body, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be me. I was working on a Hedwig accent in my head whenever you guys were doing the intro, and it just didn't come, etc. Can you so, be like the wind work. or the trees from The Happening or Mark Wahlberg from The Happening? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. No, no. Say Which, hi to your mother for me. I don't know. I, um, I, hey, I, I do, hey I do over- little girl. <laughs> I've never actually seen The Happening. That's the only one of his films I haven't seen. And um, oh, you must! I was see it. looking for. It. Yeah, I was looking for it. I wish they were, could be like you know how Kubrick did those movies at Warner Brothers. Like I wish Shyamalan just stayed with one studio the whole time, so we could get like a huge like set of all of his movies on Blu-ray. That would be sweet. That would be well. Nice. We wish a lot of things with them, not Shyamalan. So, uh. <laughs> I know. I love him, though. I love him so, so much. I love his films, for better or for worse, good and bad. I don't that care. Will be, I love them. That will be the main event. Uh, but first, let's jump into some news. We're going to talk about yes. this amazing uh, horror convention that's every year right in Dallas, Texas. This year, it's May 3rd through 5th, the Hyatt Regency DFW Airport in Dallas, Texas, right by DFW. Uh, and that is Texas Frightmare Weekend. Yes, this is the 14th annual Texas Frightmare Weekend. We will all be there. We are going. We're going to be talking to all of these famous horror movie icons, seeing movies, all sorts of shit. So, 
The guest list so far is incredible. I think it rivals like Comic-Con if you're a horror fan in the horror realm because, I mean, I've been around Texas Frightmare for the last 14 years, and I remember when they started just in a little, little space, and they only had a couple people come. Now they're like big time. It's like the biggest horror convention ever, and it's so much fun. Uh... So to start out, I mean, they just bring in everybody you would ever want in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So basically, I mean, they're going to have Robert England. Not only that, but they're doing a whole Nightmare on Elm Street uh, reunion with a ton of All actors. the Elm Street kids. Yes. Oh, man. That's the main event for me right there. That is going to be amazing. Like, so amazing. So, yeah, you'll be able to talk with them, get autographs, and then they're probably Mm -hmm. going to do a huge panel. We can ask them questions. It's going to be super cool. And plus, Robert England, the only person that will hopefully ever play Freddy Krueger. He is... Besides... (laughs) Haley Joel Osment. Oh, yeah, Haley Joel. Jackie Earl Haley. (laughs) (laughs) Star Uh, of Bad News Bears and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Jackie Earl Haley. Right, so they're going to be there. And then if you're like Preston and you live your life in the code of Reanimator, they're doing a huge Reanimator reunion. With oh, people yes. from Bride of the Reanimator and Reanimator, they're all going to be there. Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, Bruce Abbott, and Kathleen Kinmont all will be there. And I really think that Preston will just blow his load everywhere. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> not uh, here to if they could get Brian Usna and Stuart Gordon there, then that would be cool. It's just even Brian Usna, what, he showed up. I, wasn't Stuart Gordon on the docket? I don't point. know. I just see the cast. Yeah, I could have remembered. I, I could have yeah, sworn I saw canceled. it on there. Somebody canceled. Yeah, I think you're right. So because I think yeah. the guy he's an East Coast guy, so I don't think he can get over here as quickly as possible. Right, but they'll they'll or be easily. there. Um, we also have the man god, the the legendary Bruce Campbell. He will be there. Um, <laughs> Meatloaf is going to be there. Holy shit, Meatloaf along with Tim Curry for Robert, Robert Paulson. Pitcher. But yeah, his bitch tits. you got to yeah (laughs) bob had bitch tits i mean if i want an autograph i'm gonna get his autograph on something telling him or having him say that i have bitch tits i don't know it'll just be great uh we have lance just make some shirts yes make some shirts bob had bitch tits it'd be good uh elvira cassandra peterson who plays elvira will be there um, also, if you're in for a good laugh, um, Pamela Anderson will be there. <laughs> what? Yes. Pamela Anderson is slated. Not. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Pamela Anderson. I've got her. Jenna Jameson. <laughs> yeah, you're confusing your actresses. There. Barbara Crampton? No, Jenna Jameson. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there you go. So if you're into uh, really shitty horror films called Zombie Strippers... Um, or porn, uh, laugh at, <laughs> talk to Jenna Jameson. <laughs> or, or private parts. I mean, remember whenever uh, she did uh, the zombie zombie strippers a few years ago, like a decade ago? And that was like yeah. supposed to be like, no, no, it's a real horror movie. And it was just awful. Yes. I remember my grandma accidentally saw that movie uh, with Jenna Jameson. It was on. She was like, oh, she goes, she had called me. She's like, I was watching this really, and I've seen the film. Uh, she was like, I saw this really nice movie about this girl. And she was really trying to get her life together, and it was just really exciting. And then it just turned into like 
a porno with blood and guts and people eating each other, and she was horrified. It was amazing. I wonder like, if you could actually bring some of her porn videos or even a picture of Pam Anderson to get Jenna Jameson to sign it. Oh, my God. Uh, I would not do that. But, oh, my God. There are, like, I'm still looking at this. Holy shit. I didn't even realize all these people are going to be there. So Stuart Gordon is going to be there, director okay. from Beyond Dolls, Reanimator. Really smart dude. Uh, really, like, yes, he's a horror guy, but this is, like, a really, like, intellectual dude. Um, fucking Eric Freeman from In Living Color and Sa Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. I would be funny if I was like, Eric Freeman, yeah. I know you from In Living Color. <laughs> like, but, well, yes, yeah. the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 guy will be there, right? Yeah, Garbage Heather Day. <laughs> Heather Longenkamp is going to be there. Preston's favorite person from Dolls, uh, Carolyn oh. Gordon. <laughs> Oh, well, we can't forget. We can't forget Felisa Rose from yes. Sleepaway yes, Camp, dude. the amazing, the amazing uh, half man, half woman. <laughs> She's awesome. And also, okay, so two more, and then I. Uh, uh, these are like two that are like kind of personal to me, but more so just one of them are personal to me, uh, mainly because we were talking about this guy the other day. Because I just saw Candyman for the first time this week, and Ted Raimi is gonna fucking be there. Because uh, he shows up at the beginning of Candyman. So Ted Raimi's going to be at Frightmare. The brother of Sam uh, Raimi, yes. The brother of Sam Raimi. Oh, shit. Also, Annie Brackett, Nancy Loomis is going to be there. It's going to be really cool. But the main one to me, the one that has really kind of showed me not to be scared of horror when I was a kid was Joe Bob Briggs. And um, I was really dumb because I got an invite to interview him uh, at the Alamo Draft House last month, and I didn't take it. But uh, – He's going to be there, and for those of you who may not know, he used to do Monster Vision on TNT, and I would highly suggest people to go check out those clips on YouTube. But get Shudder, because he does um, a lot of really cool things. He does these movie marathons. Uh, over Christmas, he did uh, three of the Phantasm movies. For some reason, they skipped Phantasm 2 for some uh, for some rights, but they did um, – actually, they did four, I guess, because there's five Phantasm films. But um, So he's going to be there, and this dude is like – a Texas native, Dallas guy for sure. Uh, got to start writing in Dallas, and uh, really kind of does a really cool like send up of horror in a way, like makes it kind of like grindhousey, uh, rednecky. But he also elevates what he's talking about by using like um, film history and academic kind of stuff. So it's it's right up my alley. So really really cool stuff. I kind of had to hijack it there because I was getting so excited while you were naming people, and I was going through this list, and I was just like. Holy shit. And Blu-ray City. Blu-ray fucking city. It's the best. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And yeah, Joe Bog Briggs, he is a I think he's a Texas guy, a Dallas guy, so it'll be fun to see him there. Uh but yeah, check out uh go to TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. That's TexasFrightmareWeekend.com. Buy your tickets now. Get book your weekend here, the Hyatt Regency DFW Airport. Texas Friday it, weekend, May third through fifth. It's gonna, it's gonna outgrow that place. When we were there last year, I mean, we were pouring sweat. Parking was difficult, so get there early. And if you get your tickets for the entire weekend, um, now get them now. Uh, just yep. bite the bullet and do it because it's gonna be so much more affordable. And even if you do wait, it's still not that bad of a price. Um, and yeah. it's really, it's really worth it. Really good, honest, cool, fun people there, and you get to see a lot of kids dressed up, which is really fun. Yeah, you get to do Halloween a few months early. Yeah, yeah it's, it's super it's, fun. It's great. It's yeah. really fun. Yeah. All right. Get, yeah, do get them now because they're. I think they're sixty bucks right now for the weekend. For the weekend, pass. that's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's great. And if you don't get a T-shirt, if you get a T-shirt, it's like seventy-eight, seventy-nine dollars. But they're cool T-shirts. Cool. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Texas right on. Do it, do it. All right, moving on. Uh, one of the biggest film festivals in the world is coming up in March. South by Southwest. Uh, it's a huge film festival, music, uh, movies, technology, all that shit. But we're, we're horror. So is there any – are there any horror stuff that we can look forward to yet? Have they announced horror movies yet for South by? Is there anything we can look forward to? Cool, you can take that away. Well, uh, so I was looking for that. I went. We got the we got the PR blast um, last week. Of course, you guys talked about it. Uh, Us is going to be showing there. Uh, it's going to be awesome, and it's gonna, I cannot wait. Um, but um, what is going to be there that I did look through um, are three things. There's one that I'm hoping for, and that was. Of course, Jennifer Kent's Nightingale. I hope that that's got to get announced. I'm, yeah, Jennifer I really Kent bet is, on that. That's um, the Babadook uh, director. Yep. Her new movie. Yes. Yep, 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 yep. Absolutely. So let's hope that gets announced. That's not announced, but let's actually talk about things that are going to be there. So um, the what we do in the Shadows TV show is going to be there. And in, in the past few years, I've really moved away from TV, but some things will get me to turn into the small screen. Um, so what we do in the Shadows TV show is there with the the all new cast and. One guy, Brian, you and I shared uh, a movie uh, this past year called An Evening with Beverly Luff-Lynn. Oh, yes. And um, one of the main guys from that uh, movie, this guy named Matt Berry. Oh, he's uh, great. He was so funny in that film. He played uh, Craig Robinson's manager, and I think he was like in love with him or something like that. It was a really cool movie that is not for everybody, but uh, Brian and I did see that together. So that guy's the star of that show. And I'm sure and I'm hoping that Jermaine and Taika will show up. I don't know what Taika has going on right now. But that would be beautiful if he showed up to the Vimeo Theater in the Austin Convention Center. Um, so that's going to be on FX. I'd probably guess summertime. I'm not sure. Um, and then one last thing I'll say quickly is a movie that is jumped on my radar. It's a movie called Villains with Bill Skarsgård and Micah Monroe and Jeffrey Donovan, who some of you might uh, recognize if you Google his name. But uh, this movie sounded really cool to me. It was about – it kind of sounds like the premise of um, Don't Breathe. So it kind of sounds like the premise of Don't Breathe. These, like, kind of shithead people um, go into this house, and uh, Kira Sedgwick and Jeffrey Donovan play these sadistic homeowners who will do anything to keep them from getting out after they figure out their dark secret. So Bill Skarsgård, Micah Monroe, of course we know her. From it follows, uh, so she is returning to the genre, and um, the directors, these guys, Dan Burke and Robert Olson, um, I have not heard of anything that they have done. I, I googled them and checked them out, but uh, this movie, Villains, uh, definitely has piqued my interest. I am pretty excited to see what that could have in store, and um, you know, I, I think the cast is going to be good. I mean, the cast, I think, is pretty indicative of the quality of the film, and. Um, I think it's gonna be a good B B level movie, and you know I say that with love. No, I, I hope it is. I hope those I, are the I, things that I see. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, see more or see what the midnight films are. Any other horror stuff? Uh, Preston, is there anything you want to add for it? South by? Uh, yeah, there's one, and I want to read the synopsis because I really love the way that it's written. And it's this movie called Extraordinary, and it has Will Forte mm-hmm. in it. But the synopsis. As written is Rose, a sweet, lonely driving instructor in a rural in rural Ireland, is gifted with supernatural abilities. Rose has a love-hate relationship with her talents and tries to ignore the constant spirit-related requests from locals to exercise possessed rubbish bins and haunted gravel. 
But Christian Winter, a washed-up, one-hit wonder rock star, has made a pact with the devil for a return to greatness. He puts a spell on a local teenager, making her levitate. Her terrified father, Martin Martin, asks Rose to save, help save his daughter. Rose has to overcome the fear of her supernatural gift and work with Martin to save the girl, get the guy, and be home in time for a light snack. Maybe yogurt or something. <laughs> it says that? Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be yogurt somewhere. Yogurt. That's funny. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> sounds good. Go get some yogurt. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. Oh God! South by. All right. Well, South uh, by's crazy, man. It's yeah, just exhausting, but it's worth it. Check check in uh, to this show, my bloody podcast, for more South by horror stuff. But and you can also go to their website, sxsw.com. Check out more. Sign up for their newsletters or buy a ticket. Um, you'll see Preston and Cole there, I believe. So. Yep. Uh, hell yes. Let's move on. Uh, there's uh, Since last week, there's been some Blu-ray announcement of the horror variety. Uh, I would have to announce that the Poison Ivy collection has been yep. announced <laughs> from, uh, from Scream Factory. So if you want to see a uh, very young uh, Sarah Gilbert, Alyssa Milano, Drew Barrymore people, um, check out Poison Ivy. It's very nudity uh, inhibited. <laughs> Boner and, movies. Yes. If, if you could say. Boner, 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 Boner movies. <laughs> Boner, these are Boner movies. Like, I, I know that's like really gross to say. I'm kind of embarrassed to say that. But like those movies are, that's what they are. Like those nine, late 80s uh, to 90s like shot on video movies. Like like total boner movies like um, there's this one movie that Preston and I've been talking about called hard bodies that actually would fit into this category kind of um it um was released on blu-ray this Tuesday uh, and I'm going to get into the series of movies later but um in a more appropriate time but uh, this movie hard bodies I was like that's a boner movie if I've ever seen one uh and poison ivy holy shit like dude I just remember seeing those not on HBO not on Cinemax but the movie channel no, the correct. third level the movie channels. Anyway, sorry, I just no like the poison. Funny, poison right? Ivy collection is good. There's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a set. It's gonna be extras <laughs> for everything. Uh, there's gonna be an unrated versions of each movie and the rated versions. So that's good. Um, what was announced today through Screen Factory? Willard, uh, the uh, the amazing film Willard with uh, one of my favorite actors, Crispin Glover. About the rats mm-hmm. uh, that he befriends and makes attack people, including Arlie Ermey, um, <laughs> Gunner Sergeant Hartman. Uh, that was announced for Screen Factory coming out uh, February 26th. When is that? Oh, February nice. 26th. Okay. All new audio commentaries with directors and animal trainers and all sorts of fun stuff. So is this going to be going to be great stuff? Uh, also, that was announced from Screen Factory. The Mole People. Uh, yeah. which is awesome. Fuck. And uh, there is going to be, in addition uh, to this movie that we'll get, we will also get on this same Scream Factory, we'll get the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of The Mole People, which is also really cool. So uh, wow. that is awesome. And uh, the last uh, Scream Factory, I think, that was announced was Mermaid Lake of the Dead, which... Uh, yeah. I believe is going to be on Blu-ray February 5th. Very soon. It'll be on digital and on demand. Uh, Mermaid Lake of the Dead. I have not seen this, but I'm interested. I've seen the trailer and I'm into it. What, um, what was I going to say? Um, 
what uh, was that name of that movie I sent you, Preston? Because uh, you've been diving into uh, retro, retro, retro horror, not like 80s retro horror. The uh, Arrow release coming out with Peter Cushing. Uh, what was that? Oh, called? Do you remember? Uh, I, I, I started to put you on the spot. Horror oh, or something. Oh, my God, dude. That artwork of that looks so cool. I mean, so I know we're, we're all into screen stuff because Arrow is more UK based. But do you guys really collect? I just haven't really gotten into it for some reason. I like Arrow movies, for sure. Oh, yeah. I do. I'm pretty selective. I only get... Whenever I I get the emails, I only get do about one or two or two of them a month. Yeah, some of the stuff is real. Like, I think that I know a lot of really cool uh, films, but uh, that... There especially is... Is it like Gruesome Twosome? I can't remember. It's like one of those... The name of the, of they film. do like really hardcore shit every now and then. And, yeah, they do um, a lot of Italian shit that's like super out there. Yeah. But man, I wish I could find it. I shouldn't have brought it up because I didn't know the name of it. But I just I kept thinking about it uh, whenever uh, that was getting announced. And then they're doing or somebody's horror doing, express. Like, that's what it's called. Horror express. Yeah. And then also Alien is getting a 4K release in the UK, so that really helps us out a lot. So. <laughs> Whatever. Sweet. <laughs> Just gotta pay out the ass to some uh, Brits. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. But um, yeah, man, there is some really good shit coming out. It's crazy. Willard, I was lucky enough to. I saw that opening night. I remember in high school and like. But that movie, man, I, I hope that they get into this on the Blu-ray. Um, I was able to go see it on the big screen um, at my local Alamo Draft House last summer. And it holds up. It's a really well-directed film. Uh, I feel like the studio really hampered it. That movie really could have been uh, horrifying, as we saw last year whenever Of Unknown Origin came out, when that was released by Scream. Uh, Rats are terrifying. And we saw another rat movie together, Brian. Uh, Rats, the Morgan Spurlock documentary. Which I loved Um, so much. Love. Love that film. It was really good. Um, so this is really cool. Is it a collector's edition? I haven't seen the release. No, no. I mean, it's it doesn't have like a slip cover or anything like that. It's just you a, knew what I was getting at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, still cool yeah, stuff I mean, on it. Cool. All Mark right. Strange Addictions Blu-rays. Yeah, they're good. Um, Keep us in line, Brian. Yes. Yes. For sure. Um, what else do we got? Oh. We got a birthday that happened yesterday, I believe. John Carpenter, one of our favorite horror filmmakers, celebrated his birthday. Um, he's an old man. I want him to get back in the directing horror movies. Wait, who is that? I don't. I don't know who that is. Um, he directed. Um, he directed. What was that movie? Walk in the Clouds, and you've got mail. <laughs> okay. Okay. Man, do you all really think that he does need to go back to directing movies, though? I mean, I would like to. He's 71 years old, and I would love him to go right back into making something with Kurt Russell so badly. That that dude loves video games and basketball too much. He's just resting <laughs> on his laurels, I think. He's right doing now. his thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's so cool. Happy birthday, John Carpenter. We love you. Speaking of John Carpenter, Mondo has announced that they are releasing They Live soundtrack on vinyl, which has been on vinyl. I have the original, I have the Death Waltz one, but Mondo is doing uh, doing their version, which is cool. It's going to come in three different types of uh, color vinyl, and the album artwork, if you open it up gatefold, is going to be the sunglasses, and it's called They Live. It doesn't look like there's any new uh, tracks on it, but 
oh my god, it's going to be fun. Uh, and if you've listened to the soundtrack, it's like one chord over and over. It's just like do 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 do, and that's it for the whole movie. <laughs> but it's super fun. Don't, yep. Don't. It's great. And they have movie, three discs. God. Uh, there, well, there's going to be, I think, uh, three different versions of the record. You can be able oh, to gotcha. get, uh, I believe, like a light blue and red one, and there's a black one, and I think there's another colored one. But uh, all through Mondo, check that out. Uh, it will be released, uh, I believe, at the end of the month. So they should make uh, they should make one where you you have to put on some special glasses and the album art changes. Oh, yeah. that would be super cool. That would be awesome. How much? How much are they? Um, the the records. Yeah, like when the Mondo Couch Penny like soundtrack. Oh, you know what? I actually, I'm I'm looking right now to see how much it, is. it shouldn't be more than like twenty bucks or something like that. Oh, I would okay, imagine twenty okay. bucks. So, okay. um, yeah, pick them Mondo's up if you don't have it expensive. yet. Uh, that'll be cool. Um, because you want John Carpenter soundtracks because they're just so much fun. But yes, check it out. Get it. You'll relive. Chewing bubble gum and kicking ass. Can we just put that cord under? Can you just put that as a music bed under this entire podcast as we're talking? <laughs> do, do, <laughs> do, don't, don't for yes. like an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So great. <laughs> that would be so good. Um, that would be cool. And then, uh, so there's this horror movie coming out called High Life. And I have no idea what it's about, but I've been seeing tons of promo stuff for it. I've been getting emails about it. What the fuck is High Life? Well, I know Cole uh, really wants to see this one, as do I. So I did see the trailer, but I watched it through my fingers. So I was able to kind of get a sense of it. So if it, it's kind of it's exactly what you would think it would be from the promo art that's been released. It's it's just like a low key sci-fi film in the same vein as moon or something like that so from the trailer there's like there's scenes with robert pattinson who's in the film and he's uh interacting with his toddler daughter or baby daughter and so it's just it's just showing you that it's a character driven film but it has like this big world aesthetic um or like this big sci-fi backdrop um, that I don't really want to explain because it seems pretty cool. So um, I'm excited about it. I, I, I really hope it's one of the last minute additions. Well, it's just because there's only been one wave of films that have been announced. For, uh, A24 usually has a pretty big presence there. And so I'm hoping that they'll bring this film. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm super excited about this High Life movie. Um, I want to see it. Um, our last bit of news, not really horror, but we have to mention it because we all love this movie, and this is the third. Bloody. Uh, John Wick 3 trailer was uh, released today, and holy shit, the Frank Sinatra song, the violence, the dogs, everything, uh, looks yeah. so goddamn good, and I'm all in, all in. Uh, uh, before we uh, move on, Maybe we should probably also mention that there is a teaser out there for Ghostbusters 3. Oh, right. Jason Reitman yeah. has been uh, yeah. secretly making this movie the son of Ivan Reitman, who made the original Ghostbusters. But Jason Reitman, we've known, did uh, Juno 
and up in the air and all this other stuff. But uh, Labor Day, so good. <laughs> pies. Uh, but yes, Jason Reitman supposedly is directing this Ghostbusters 3 set in the same universe as the first film. We don't know casting yet. We've heard I've I've read theories on what it would be. It would be cool if uh, Dana's son Oscar was a Ghostbuster. I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see if anybody's coming <laughs> back for so it. Good. I just hope uh, Rick Moranis comes back for it because that's oh, all I care please. about. <laughs> that would be amazing. I, um, it's like fun. That's what they should have done the first time. Honestly, is just like passing this torch as like they're gonna do. And uh, this, you know, this is the first time Jason Reitman has actually done anything big like this. And you know, he's a funny dude. So many people, his dad, of course, directed the first two, which I stand by both of those movies. I think Ghostbusters 2 is just as good as the set, as the first one. Hell don't no. at me. Hell no. It, no. Don't at me. Pump the brakes. Don't at me. Don't care. It is so, it is so exactly the same movie. It is it's like, argu- I don't It's know. not it's arguably the worst sequel ever made. Uh, Maybe Caddyshack Yana? 2 beats it, but Ghostbusters <laughs> I love Yanish. Okay. I mean, I like Yanish, and I like uh, the dude Man, the painting, the but <laughs> terrible movie. It was so bad they never made another so movie. Good, I <laughs> love it. I love it. I think it is so fucking funny and great. I, I've seen this, it. This is the one. This one. is one of the few times where I wanted to pull a Halloween and truly uh, cancel out the second one. Just cancel it. Okay, okay, but. But the, the teaser does look cool. I, I'm excited for it. I, I really am. I, I think that's a cool idea to have the dusty old car. And, you know, I think it's going to be fun, man. I mean, fuck it. You it's going to get an update. Yeah. Well, it can't be any worse update. than the fucking one that was released a couple years ago. That was awful. That was the worst uh, and movie. I hope Slimer has, like, kids or something like that. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. Ghost kids. That'd like be great. Slim- Slimer is, like, raising kids or something. Anyway, um, I didn't see the John Wick 3 uh, trailer uh, strategically. I was going to, but um, I'm trying to just, like, stay away from things I already know that I want to see. Um, is the world expanded a lot more? Does yes, they're in like many different. The loca- yes, they're in many different okay. locations this time, and how they don't show really anything of the movie, which is great. Uh, okay, yeah. and they just show like really cool, like oh, this is what we expect. Pretty and much like what you would envision at the end of the second one, where you're expecting okay. him to go up against a bunch of people. Right. Yep. All right. Sign me up. That's all, why. That's all you need. Why don't they just make a movie and says Keanu Reeves? John Wick three. He's gonna be chased by people. Uh, it's gonna be crazy. Like I don't know. Like just make it. We just don't need to see all this crap. I just don't know. It's gonna be why. Good. I just want it. Well, it. it I, the coolest part of the whole trailer to me is actually seeing the dogs in action. Yeah, so we finally got to see dogs. Hanging what? by the side, they are fighting people. Which yeah, is cool. it was awesome. Uh, but right, yes, cool. check out the trailer. I'm, I'm fucking down. All I'm set to down. a Frank Sinatra song, which is excellent. All right. Um, let's move on to bloody questions, shall we? Um, yes. Last week, uh, we asked a movie, what is the dumbest decision a character has ever made in a horror movie? Um, my pick was Evil Dead. Uh, the people reading the Necronomicon when it said not to. <laughs> Idiots. We wouldn't have gotten the movie, but whatever. Um, and then Preston, what was your what was your one? What was your pick? Uh, I had to. I remember one of them was uh, uh, Rose McGowan's character in Scream going through the doggy door versus right, right. picking up anything in the garage. 
Okay. Okay. So <laughs> so stupid. I hate that. So I asked this question on Reddit in the horror uh, subreddit, and uh, one of the we we got a bunch of comments, a uh, ton of comments. Uh, one of the comments from um, Corbin Cream. Uh, was all of those teenagers in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre inviting themselves into strangers' houses? <laughs> so that's the dumb. Uh, that's 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 what that guy said. And then uh, Sequence Killer said the kid in the first Purge movie, a level of stupidity that almost ruined it for for me. <laughs> if you remember the kid in the first <laughs> Purge movie, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. The dad. Well, I gotta say, I like love Ethan Hawke to death, but. He made some dumb decisions in that movie, too. Like, after he saved his kid, he leaves him behind in a room to keep him safe. It's, yeah. It was, it's pretty funny. Um, Ergo Brock Texas 92 says, uh, SMG's stopping to look for a noise. Sarah Michelle Geller, I guess. Stopping to look for a noise when she was right by a damn parade in safety. And I know what you did last summer. Um, Auto... Autophobe 2E says, in the first zombie attack scene in the original Dawn of the Dead, a man with a perfectly good hammer in his left hand chooses to attack a zombie with his right armpit. That's my favorite. I like that one. Yeah, because that is. That's good. Um, Otter2269 says, Jamie Lee Curtis drops the knife near Mike Myers every time Uh, she thinks he's dead in the first Halloween movie. I don't think that that that's so. I don't. That doesn't really bother me though. Uh, in that movie, and that, I know that's a hot debate with people, but that one, like, I get it. Yeah, she drops the knife, but I still don't really think that it it is like that egregious or whatever. Because I think a lot like, of people are kind of coming from with their knowledge of the entire series. It, right. It's kind of like a lot of people's complaints with the Alien Covenant, like people being dumb in that movie, going to see what that egg is mm-hmm. and the audience knows what it is but those characters have no idea because technically it's supposed to take place before alien did and so right. you just have to leave room for people to fail in those films and right. the the horror the horror genre i think people pointed it out on reddit is like it's just there's it's probably like 60 70 percent idiots in those movies otherwise you know the great things that come would not happen if people were making dumb decisions. Yeah, it's funny. right, and I don't try to. I just don't try to. I don't try to get ahead of movies. I don't try to, you know, I don't try to like look for those things like that. I mean, there are dumb things that do happen for sure, but for primarily, I'm not somebody who's like, well, I wouldn't have done that. I would, you know, and so I think that you know that it's really it's a really great question for sure because because of that because we all have our. Uh, uh, where we draw it, like, is this stupid or not? And then there are things that are just universally stupid, of course. But, um, you know, it's interesting because we all, you know, that would be a really cool question to revisit again and really dive deep into where we all feel about that. Yeah, because we're, I mean, we're experiencing it now with the new Halloween movie. Like, because we're we're beginning to, uh, our lines beginning to fade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good, I mean, those are good, though. Uh, and it was funny a second ago. I, I, whenever you said SMG, I was like, studio movie grill? <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a shitty Alamo draft house, like where you sit in office chairs, essentially. Um, anyway, I just thought that was funny. But uh, yeah, it's a, those are some good answers. I mean, I, um, 
I, I get honestly with the Necronomicon guys. I I because I was listening to the podcast uh, last week's uh, the other day, and I just bought the Evil Dead's on 4K. So I've been thinking of those films a lot lately. And to me, yes, it's stupid every single time, uh, and they re- reinvent it in an amazing way. And uh, Army of Darkness, but I am like fucking terrified of that movie. I think Evil Dead is probably the scariest movie. It's like really to me like one of the absolute scariest films I've ever seen. So I'm terrified when they're reading that because you know, man, it's like kind of a boner movie too. As they're trying to get laid in that movie, they're trying to read it to look cool. You know, I've done stupid stuff when I was 16 to look cool uh, for 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 girls in 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 those days. But um, yeah, I don't Bruce know, Campbell's man. just I, a regular dojo wants to get with his girlfriend, and then all shit yeah. breaks loose. You know. And then he becomes who he is. So, so I'm going anyway. to uh, – one more I'll mention from here, which might uh, – Hungry Colcuhone says, The bit in a quiet place <laughs> where yeah. the kid who has spent a good portion of his life around fearing these monsters with acute hearing decides the sensible thing to do is to run through a field of corn. So that was his. I don't know if uh, y'all think that is um, – one should be on that. Um, but. If – want to you can pick apart a quiet place i however am not somebody who wants to do that <laughs> um, yeah. because i to me the emotions of the movie outweigh uh, the logistical issues um but he didn't have anywhere else to go i mean like where else was he gonna i mean that was it was a he was under the cover of darkness i mean it doesn't really matter in that but um you know if you did a crane shot uh, an upshot uh, looking down at the corn it's noisy, but there's still a lot of space for them to look. So it's you can still hide in there. So, right. you know, I'm not trying to play the judge here. Uh, I would think it would just be instincts. It's it's yeah. uh, it's it would be my instinct to go hide in some because you're taking the world of the movie and that uh, they can only find you if they hear you. And then. Uh, going back to like if you were in a normal situation and they could see you, you would go hide in the corn. So I, I think it's just him going to his human instincts. Yeah, I, I think so too. But still, I, I get it. I, I, yeah, I, I, get I it understand. Too. I mean, I get it, you know, but it just doesn't. Uh, I just, There's far worse. Out there. <laughs> like, I just don't give a shit, honestly. Right. I just love that movie. So. I like it too. All right. Um, so this week's bloody question. Um, is what is the most insane twist ending in a horror movie? You know, kind of in line with M. Night Shyamalan. He likes to do twist endings. We asked this on Reddit as well. We got a bunch of responses. Uh, what is the most insane twist ending in a horror movie? I will start out with my pick. It's going to be April Fool's Day from the 1980s. If you haven't seen this horror movie, holy shit, it's so much fun. Crazy, silly, horror slasher but the twist ending i did not see coming it was great i should have seen it coming but it totally got me i love it i'm not going to ruin it um uh preston what is your uh, most either way the most insane twist ending in a horror movie for you um uh i've mentioned it before and i'll just say it again the mist i think i, I just i go back to that film a lot a lot a lot um because i just put myself in the situation that they were uh, at the end of the film and then it's just terrifying to me so and i just wasn't expecting that to happen so yeah i'd say the mist good i think good somebody Lord. mentioned that on our reddit this uh this time uh and cole what about you most insane twist ending in a horror movie 
Oh, well, let me tell you, it is not really an ending, but it is an ending. Okay, so I'm going to break a rule, but I, I thought it was really cool. Because, of course, you're going to say, oh, Halloween 4, oh, uh, Sleepaway Camp. However, I'm going to throw one out for Scream, okay? And the part I'm going to talk about with Scream is not the ending on who you find out is the killer, but the ending of the cold opening. Um, where, ah, just fuck it, it's a 21-year-old, 23-year-old movie. Uh, so, you know, Drew Barrymore was at the front of the movie. Uh, she's on the poster, all that stuff, and she gets fucking killed 12 minutes into the movie. The movie, the opening of the film is essentially its own little short film, um, and everybody knows the scene. But to me, that moment, when I saw that, because I knew Drew Barrymore uh, when I was in my tweens, I was early... Uh, teens when that film came out um, and I knew her and it was a big deal that she had made this comeback and she just gets fucking killed and honestly man people don't really talk about that movie is really kind of scary in my opinion I, I think that a lot of the things that that film does especially the brutality of the way her boyfriend gets killed and then how she is killed I think her name's Casey yeah. Becker her, her guts are fucking turned inside out and they show it it's insane. It's, it's, um, it's so like Spider-Man that. into the Spider-Verse. Anybody can wear the mask, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so, yeah, that one. And then I will just say one more briefly. Um, like I said, I just saw Candyman. It wasn't the ending, but there was a scene there where everything changes in that film. Uh, with Virgin And the horror on Virginia Madsen's face, I got up and stood up in my TV and yelled, oh, my God. Oh my God, I cannot believe that just fucking happened. Oh my fucking God. And the movie um, just, it, it ratchets things up uh, and changes its form uh, in a beautiful way from that moment. So the ending uh, of that scene that I'm talking about, about halfway through the movie, uh, opens the film up to a new type of film. So those are the two that I have. I know right. I cheated, but I had to do it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff either way. Let's okay. go to Reddit. I posted this on Reddit. Uh, the number one comment so far is hilarious from Darian Schemmel. Uh, the movie Saw. He said, Saw. Old man, old dead man just stand up and leaves. <laughs> 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 Which is so funny. So funny. That's uh, so great. Um, Cutter McGee agreed with Preston. The Mist. <laughs> Um, these names <laughs> baby ice princess 12 sleepaway camp of course is crazy of course um i want to meet cutter mcgee can i meet cutter mcgee cutter mcgee if you're out there married to tits mcgee <laughs> <laughs> um overlord q says the happening because who could imagine they were going to say it was the trees <laughs> al gore yes true uh chump uh, Chump Stilts one said Skeleton Key had a good one. Um, Drift fifteen Ooh. said Cube had a good one. A good twist ending. Um, Jack Griffin nineteen fifty one said Psycho from nineteen sixty. Um, of course, Life is Brutiful. Uh, good night, mommy. Life is Brutiful said Good night, mommy was a hell of a oh, twist boy. ending. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, Dozing Green sixty six said he did not see the reveal in Orphan coming. He said not the greatest movie in the world, but mm. quite the twist. Anybody say don't look now? No, nobody said don't look oh. now. But uh, Donald Sutherland. 
Uh, Sunny yes. Kick K said a Serbian film, which had me cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> what? That had you cracking up, or the the, the redditor said that it had him no, no, up. a Serbian. No, I cracking up at his answers because I know what happens at the end of a Serbian film. It's really oh. fucked up. <laughs> and um, awful. And then DMT Design said halte tension, uh, high tension, which uh, is oh, is a twist right. ending that doesn't make any sense at all. So, um, oh, it and then, uh, not a huge fan of that one. Dardano Bags says The Vanishing from 1988, Dark Waters from 1993, and this year or this past year's Suspiria are his top three twist endings. Mm, okay, okay. So, uh, so yeah, that, uh, so far we're still getting comments on that, uh, right now on Reddit, but yes. Uh, what is the most insane twist ending in a horror movie? Please uh, let us know by emailing us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know, and we'll uh, mention it on the show. Um, but let's move on to bloody recommendations, where we'll each give a very, very short, brief recommendation of a horror film that's vintage or new that you might not have heard about. We just want to recommend it to you so you can watch it forever and ever. Go buy it. I'm going to start... Um, with a movie that I really like uh, that I saw a long time ago and then I recently reviewed, I guess, a few years ago. Uh, but I love this film. It is called The Comeback from 1978, also known as The Day the Screaming Stopped. It is a British horror slasher film directed by the amazing Pete Walker. Um, it's from 1978. And if you haven't seen this movie, it's just so, so good. Dario Argento would actually be super proud of this movie because it kind of like is in the same essence of his films. Um, it's like kind of part supernatural slasher flick um, and like kind of like terror psychologically. Uh, the movie kind of follows a guy named Nick Cooper who is Jack Jones. And yes, it is that Jack Jones who sang the theme song for The Love Boat, who plays himself basically. Um, he's a singer. He's trying to work on a new record. He leaves his place in Los Angeles and sets out for the quiet countryside. And once he gets there, there is a person with an old hag, an old lady mask on, killing people <laughs> and stalking him. Uh, he begins to hear creepy things at night. Uh, and uh, he finds things in his closet. And it's crazy. We don't know if it's part of his imagination or just part of it. But the makeup and the mask... Uh, this this killer wears is actually super creepy. Uh, it's like an old lady killing you. Um, but yes, yeah, super fun, very psychological. Uh, there's a lot of chopped up victims to go around and very Argento stylized uh, stuff. Uh, very fun. It's on Blu-ray if you can find it. Uh, part of the Pete Walker collection um, from Scream Factory. Go do it. Uh, find it. You'll like it. But Preston... Your recommendation Badass. for today, sir. Uh, I'm going to follow Cole's lead with the rec uh, bloody question and cheat a little here. Uh, we have reviewed this film before, but and I feel like I need to talk about these damn deleted scenes that are so good uh, for Halloween 2018. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so there's there's about there's about five or six deleted scenes on the new blu-ray that's available today um there's a few that really stick out to me and i personally think that all of them are great i think if they had inserted them into the film it would have enhanced the experience altogether 
and Cole and I very long talks about how probably our biggest gripe at the entire movie is the editing of it. And I think if they had put these scenes back in there, it would have. Because I think that's another huge issue is that a lot of these characters are just there and are placeholders to move the plot along, but they never really get their due, their full due. And so I feel like these deleted scenes um, really kick it up. And so one of the ones that really stuck out to me is this just really, uh, it's just an extended sequence of a scene that's already in the film and it shows Laurie Strode shooting at the gun range that she has in her backyard, you know, shooting at the mannequins. And then it shows her in the following sequence, um, cleaning her gun, you know, cocking it, looking at it. And um, in the scene, it shows her doing all those things, but then she points the gun at herself, kind of tapping more into the pain that she's feeling from all this trauma uh, another really great scene in the movie is her when she goes to potentially shoot Michael during his transfer, drinking in the car, and then she cries. So I think it just taps into her pain a little bit more. And I think having that scene, which is so subtle, I think it would have made the movie even better. And then there's another funny scene with the high school kids in the film. And that that's always bothered me since I've seen the movie is that I also felt like uh, all the high school kids were pretty dumb. I don't think that they were really that funny. And I feel like this scene, uh, which is just them, kind of like Days of Confused style, just them hanging out at school. And it's making uh, connecting the dots better in the story as to like why gonna babysit and then why the other one you know they're going to the prom or the dance thing that they're doing and um the jokes in it are genuinely funny and so those are just two of them and then there's like other ones with uh dr uh, sartain that we, yeah. whose whose name we <laughs> shall not mention even though i just did but um there, there's like a, a a nose booger joke that's in there that I, I actually laughed at, but <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I just thought I just thought all of them were great, and so if you uh, like the new Halloween, I think if you watch the deleted scenes, it would make it even better for you, and so I hope that one day that they do put all these uh, deleted scenes and extended scenes back into the film, or do like a or maybe uh, Topher Grace will re-edit it one day or something like that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Or, or what they do in 20 years is they'll bring back Jamie again, and it'll be taking place in, like, maybe, like, <laughs> or something like that. And then we won't pay attention to any of the other Halloween movies. We'll say this is the Halloween. So no, we'll do it one no, more time. We, we need Jamie Lee Curtis's husband uh, to make a Halloween <laughs> film in his uh, mockumentary style. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, Christopher- yeah. Oh, for a second, I thought you were talking about the peanut butter penis guy. Uh, but that's well, that's, that's, we, her that's Toby daughter's Huff, husband. That's <laughs> no, Jamie Lee Curtis's Toby husband, um, Christopher Guest. Christopher that Guest. would be awesome if he would come aboard. 
you know, some years later and just kind of like interview everybody in the vein of that like, would be the great. Show. That'd be great. That would be great. Well, good, good stuff, Preston. Yes, Halloween is on Blu-ray. There's extras and all sorts of fun deleted scenes. Check it out. And then Cole, bloody recommendation. Let's do it. Oh, I recommend a movie called Unbreakable. <laughs> um, I uh, I saw this movie, so I'm gonna preface this a little bit because this is kind of my style. I uh, wait, 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 wait. What is this? What, what, what's your recommendation? The, uh, I, it, it's not unbreakable. Okay. Not unbreakable. <laughs> he, he, he's got to put the butter on the biscuit first. Butter yeah, bread. So, so we talk a lot about Blu-rays on this, and Screen Factories can get really fucking expensive. Okay, right? I mean, if you don't, if not on a press list, and if you don't have a good store next to you um unless you're gonna find them on ebay or not but they can even be expensive there yeah like 35 40 bucks okay so um there's this company called mill creek entertainment okay and i think preston already knows where i'm going with this uh there's this company called mill creek entertainment um i uh, i uh love what they've been doing this past year they have really inexpensive releases and they've done these retro releases that look so fucking cool and you can find them at walmart or amazon they're like eight bucks okay um, and they did a set of six of them. Uh, one of them is Hard Bodies. Uh, I'm not going to recite all of them, but the one I'm going to mention today, I bought at Walmart for $7.50. I really encourage everybody to go look at the artwork for this. And Brian actually mentioned this artwork on a Christmas podcast. I believe it was on the Black Christmas episode. Uh, that movie is Happy Birthday to Me. Okay. Um, it's on Blu ray now. Uh, it has a pretty damn good transfer, too. And. Um, it, uh, it, it, those of you uh, who are listening, uh, go ahead and Google search the artwork for this. It shows the skewer kebab going into the guy's mouth, um, and the scene is really cool. So this movie is from 1981. It's a slasher movie. However, I don't think it really is trying to pay uh, a lot – really pay um, heed to a lot of the conventions that are in the genre, mainly because it was 1981. Now, if it was 1985, it would be different. So it's three years removed from Halloween. Um, and so I, uh, liked this movie. Okay. It's a little long. It's an hour and 51 minutes, but it was directed by this guy, Jay Lee Thompson. He was 60 fucking seven years old, 67 years old when he made this. Um, and it's about these, uh, teenagers. So it's kind of weird. It's another case of these, uh, older men directing these movies about teenagers who really, honestly, he has no idea <laughs> like how teenagers talk. This guy directed movies like the original Cape Fear with Robert Mitchum, Guns of Navarone, some Planet of the Apes, Apes sequels, and loads of Charles Bronson stuff, including Ten to Fucking Midnight. So you guys are probably familiar with that film. Um, And uh, it's written by this guy named John Saxton, which got me very excited. I was like, oh, my God, did you tell me that John Saxton uh, wrote this movie? The dad from Nightmare on Elm Street? It's not him, sadly. Um, so, but it's about, um, this, these teens, this group called the 10 in this preppy school, they're the 10 coolest kids in school and they start getting murdered one by one. And, um, the movie kind of goes into this young girl's, uh, story named Virginia. Uh, she survives this freak accident and she has memory loss and she has these like really crazy blackouts and whatnot. Um, she's trying to really like, you know, just really get back to her life with her dad, with everybody. But she's, it's really fucked up. She's really having some problems and it's really sad. Um, now the movie doesn't really do a great job of explaining all that. And some of the film is really boring to be honest with you. Uh, but I think if you're into the genre 
and really like to look at a beautiful slip cover and a really cool um, album artwork that goes below it. Um, it's really cool uh, film. There's no special features, unfortunately. But, um, you know, these people, they start getting murdered one by one. And some of the kills are pretty great. Um, I, I thought about Preston last night because he uh, laughs at really random things like booger jokes or whatever. But it really like when he gets tickled, he gets really tickled. And I'm a little more prone to laughing. And there was a, a, a kill in this movie that had me rolling with delight. It, for this scene, it is worth the price of admission. Um, much like Unbreakable, this movie has a weightlifting scene. And it's this guy lifting weights in his uh, garage and um, ends up, I don't, do we, I probably shouldn't spoil what the kill is, but um, essentially I think you can see what it's happening. He's uh, lift, he's doing some bench presses. And the punchline is, is really good. Um, Preston, do you have this movie? Yeah, I have it. He has it. You there? He does? Okay, yeah. sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear. Yeah, I figured he did, but um, check it out one day. I know you got a lot to watch, but um, it's really worth it. And um, the skewering scene is pretty good, too. And, um, you know, it, this, this movie, oddly, is pretty good at world building um, and uh, has a pretty creepy final image. Uh, it's, it's a solid movie uh, made by a real, like, journeyman director. This guy is, like, you know, these like really like blue collar filmmakers is kind of uh, what this guy was. He's like, let's just hire this guy. Let's get him in to do this job and let's get him out. Kind of like a John Frankenheimer would do, like, for example, with the uh, Island of Dr. Moreau kind of okay. thing uh, when he came mm -hmm. in. So this movie, it, it's very workmanlike. It doesn't really do anything special. Um, but you can see uh, the filmmakers having fun in certain instances. And actually, the length of the movie uh, – really the movie's trying to tell a story it really is um so not one of my favorites but i'm so happy i saw it because once you see the image um you're you you will remember seeing that in a video store in 1992 you know once you see that if you're that old so um mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it's cool it's cool I, I really hesitated what i was gonna pick but uh this one was worth it and, and plus because it's attainable for people to get it seven dollars seven bucks so worth good. it so, good. so worth it well check good. out those bloody recommendations um i'll be mentioning it on the post but yes all good bloody recommendations however let's move on to our main event our triple threat match unbreakable split glass <laughs> um glass comes out this weekend and from what i've told I, I fucking love the movie. I think Cole fucking hated the movie, and I think Preston kind of just fucking in the middle there. So it's going to be a fun conversation with, what? with Glass. Okay. Uh, but Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. So let's go back all the way to the beginning uh, with Unbreakable. Uh, Shyamalan's second film. Before that, he did... The Sixth Sense, which brought him into stardom. Everybody was saying he's the next Spielberg. It was great. It was excellent. Then Unbreakable happens, and holy shit. Stuart Little. Uh, Stuart, Stuart Little. Stuart. Yeah, don't forget, he wrote Stuart Little. Stuart. Um, Unbreakable. Oh, my goodness. It is just so perfect. It's a, oh, mm -hmm. a perfect film. It's so good. His Comic best book. film? His best film? His best yes, film? It, uh, yes, it is his best film. Yes, and I agree. Uh, from 2000, so... 
in 2000, we also got the first X-Men movie, but I would say Unbreakable came out before that, and I think this kind of uh, started... Four months after. Okay, four, four months, months after X-Men. Okay. So, Not um, to be that guy, but... Oh, you are that guy, <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> Unbreakable you. is just so good and told this story, this very subtle story of two men who meet, become friends, and then realize they are actually different and... Uh, enhanced uh, in certain ways, but polar opposite, and it all kind of comes together at the end. It's just so well done. What do you guys think of Unbreakable? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll kick off here. Um, yeah. So, Unbreakable has long been my favorite Shyamalan film. I remember seeing it in theaters, and uh, I'm a big fan of Sixth Sense, but. This one just blew me away, and especially after like revisiting it th- just this morning, actually. Um, oh, nice. <clears throat> it's just it, I felt like it was necessary because after I didn't get I, I watched Unbreakable probably about a year or two ago. Um, I guess because after the high of Split, uh, felt that that was necessary, and so now after seeing Glass, just want to go back and get a fresh perspective, and so. Uh, after seeing Glass and Split again, um, it's just further makes it, any, I guess it makes it an even better film to me in retrospect. Um, I, I truly believe that it is a perfect movie. Um, and so subtle, you, Brian, you said subtle, and I think uh, subtle has kind of gone away from Shyamalan. Uh, especially after seeing Glass, but it's it's just amazing. Oh, let's get into it. (laughs) Um, I mean, you can you can just see it the way that he moves the camera and the way that everything is just so carefully calculated. Um, the reveals like he doesn't like now he uses a lot of exposition and talking Uh to, um. show certain points or reveal certain things. And then there in that movie and unbreakable, like the camera will just pan to something and then it will just, you know, a picture, you know, paint a thousand words. And so it's just, there's just so much there. And I, it's, it's just remarkable that after watching glass, that they're the same, like the same filmmaker made those movies. It's almost like he's like Benjamin button, aging backwards <laughs> in terms of talent <laughs> and it's just it's just amazing and so um i i love 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 unbreakable and i think it's I one of it's bruce willis's best performance performances and um samuel jackson and I don't know. There's no. just a, there's a lot to just pick apart mm-hmm. there. I know I look unbreakable too. It's it's so good. Uh, Cole, is there anything you want to add quickly to Unbreakable? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I saw this movie opening night. Um, no pun intended. Uh, haha. Um, and I hated it. Okay. So I saw it. I was 12, 13 years old. Hated it. Um, and I I am a notorious flip flopper on movies. Um, and then I rewatched it again after I saw Split. Uh, which we'll talk about uh, how how we all saw that movie uh, later. And um, Preston was like, go back and watch Unbreakable. He's like, I trust me, do it. I was like, oh, that was solid. So then I went to the Shyamalan, 
Shyamalan-a-thon uh, on Saturday and saw all three films back to back to back. Started with Unbreakable. And uh, that movie is never shown on the big screen. Disney does not do that. So people uh, may forget that, that Knight did work with Disney for his first uh, uh, three big movies uh, that he did. Um, so this movie, I saw it again, and I think it's fucking perfect. Um, and it is, it is beautiful in every way. The cinematography is amazing. Uh, I'm a sucker for uh, the dark score. Moody, the score. James Newton Howard, not a big fan of his work, but the uh, the score for that film is tremendous, and um, it has so much nuance. And Bruce Willis just, I mean, it it moves me emotionally so much, as well yeah. as being a very cool film. Uh, as you said, the relationship the with him and his son in the film is yeah, so, so great. You know, this is what I would say, and this is uh, what I'll leave it at, then we can get briefly into whatever else we're going to talk about. This is what I wrote in my glass review. Unbreakable is an amazing film and arguably Shyamalan's best. Uh, the father-son dynamic in the film is just beautiful and aching in so many ways. Joseph looks up to his father, father like a fan looking up to a superhero. Shyamalan. 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 Ding dong. I've never had problems with his name until today. Shyamalan um, can be incredibly clever when he's being meditative. There's none of that with glass and a subtlety, no heart. Um, that, that, and that can all be summed up in that shot of uh, David Dunn sleeping and his son just hugging him so tight. It, it's beautiful. It is It is a brilliant, brilliant shot film by Eduardo or, Serra. Brilliant. Or the shot when he's at the table and he's passing him the newspaper and he looks at it yes. and his son is just completely stunned. Stunned. That he did this and then he just does like the uh, Papa Kent thing where he just yeah. like, he's like, Shh, you know, it, 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 it's <laughs> yeah, just like, it's, it's just amazing. It is amazing. So um, I would suggest it's 10 bucks on iTunes right now. Uh, I don't know if there's a Blu-ray release of it, but there is a very cool Vista series DVD that you should be able to find at like a used retailer, like half price books for like four or five bucks. That is really worth buying. Uh, it has a really cool sl uh, slip and everything. It is a DVD, but um, it is very cool. And I just, that, that film, man, I, it just knocked me on my on my ass i just thought it was brilliant in every yeah. way and i do i do own that dvd but it is also for rent on like youtube and voodoo for like 2.99 oh cool and it is available on blu-ray you might just have to search on youtube uh or youtube on ebay to find it <laughs> cool yeah it's good. yeah unbreakable check it out and then some years later he made a movie called Split, and this was the secret screening premiered at Fantastic Fest, uh, and uh, Split, you know, came after The Visit, and that's like when M. Night Shyamalan was like, oh, he's making great movies again, and then Split came out, and it was a fantastic movie about a guy with multiple personalities who just seems like otherworldly, and then, and then, at the very end of the movie, during the credits, it shocked everybody to see David Dunn from Unbreakable, it's set in the Unbreakable universe, and everybody just went ape shit and like, oh my god, it's happening! And then you know, after the weeks, the few weeks after Split's release in theaters, I'm making a trip. I'm making a, a third film, and it's going to feature everybody. But with Split, you mean you never knew it was in the Unbreakable world until the very end. But the movie was so good. Uh, what do y'all think about Split? Oh, uh, I'm gonna give it no. I'm gonna give this one to you because you tell it very well. Okay, so yeah, so this is one of my all-time favorite movie-going stories. Um, oh, as Brian said, we saw it at Fantastic Fest, and it, it really blows my mind that you know I'm just a small-town kid. I cannot believe I get to go do this shit all the time. So I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want to sound 
gloating or anything like that. But but I will say Fantastic Fest is an affordable uh, festival and you can get access to these movies. Um, so I, I really encourage everybody to go. It's a, it's a great place. So um, so we go to the secret screening. Uh, I didn't get in and I was worried about it all fucking day. I was like, oh my God, like so much to the point where I'd get up mid movies and go ask the, the publicist, can I get to this? Because I wanted to be there with Preston. Um, and so we're sitting in um, this really amazing um, this really amazing dude, <laughs> shouts out to Brad Johnson of Fonz PR, <laughs> sorry to get so inside baseball, uh, pulled me aside. He goes, you, uh, James, last one, go in. So I got in, I'm sitting in a folding chair. I had no clue what this movie was, had no clue he, Knight was even making it. And um, so I, uh, he showed it. I was like, okay, okay. Preston was sitting on the very front row in this theater at the Alamo Draft House, and I was a few rows behind him. And I could not wait to ask him what the fuck did you think of that James McAvoy performance? <laughs> so, uh, and what it ended up happening was that music comes in, that really badass, uh, quintessentially 2000s score from James Newton Howard comes in, the theme for Unbreakable. That's really cool, very cool beat to it uh, comes in and everybody really did lose their shit. And it was one of the, probably, honestly, even though I wasn't a fan of Unbreakable, one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> Because it was so amazing to have that happen. And then all of a sudden, there's M. Night Shyamalan and James McAvoy standing five feet from us. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what in the fuck is happening? Um, and it's a really solid movie. Uh, it's yeah. a really fun movie that really gets into some deep stuff, some very sad things, uh, you know, and one thing I will say that Knight uh, said about uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb, a.k.a. The Beast, a.k.a. Hedwig, a.k.a. everybody, um, is that, Patricia, is that he, um, I'm so excited talking about it, is he dressed him in yellow, because he's kind of like a religious, a Buddhist in a way. He sees himself as like an evangelical person. And um, going back and rewatching those films, Glass and and uh, Split, um, looking at it through that lens is really fascinating and troubling and scary in a lot of ways. And this movie's PG-13, but there are two shots in this movie that are very fucked up. I mean, people are getting eaten. <laughs> people are getting fucking eaten. There's cannibalism in this movie. Um, and it, it's it's great. It is a fantastic movie. It's a it's a three and a half or a B of B plus for me. However, some of those three and a half star B B plus movies are some of the most rewatchable, outright fun film going. Now you're talking about Glass or Split? Split. Okay. So that's my spiel about Split. One of my favorite movies to talk about, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I love both of them. And then, of course, we heard the news that he was making the the overarching end to the trilogy with Glass, and it was going to feature Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis and James McAvoy and their characters along bring with them uh, everybody else to uh, the third and final film, Glass. And uh, I must say, I mean, I didn't read any reviews for the film before going into it, and but I've read headlines. Every, a lot of people are hating on it, and I just don't understand. I think I have a theory of why they don't like it, but... Uh, I loved every single fucking second of this movie. I loved it. I loved it from start to finish. I, I, Why? I loved it. So what I think this movie Glass was, like I think it just 
it's the perfect end to this trilogy and then even sets it up to be something even bigger. And like one of the, cause I'm not going to get into spoilers here cause it's not out yet. Right. Um, but there's something that Sam Jackson says towards the end of the movie that, Oh, okay. This is what this movie is. I get it. So with that in mind, I think for the past 10 years, uh, people have been, you know, they've been seeing Marvel movies and DC movies, and there's a pattern, there's a formula for these. And Shyamalan is did not make an Avengers movie. He did not make a Marvel movie, and I think that's what people were expecting because there's certain elements in this film where you're like, oh, this shit, the final climactic scene is going to happen here, and it doesn't, and it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to. But what does happen is so perfectly... Shyamalan's own perfect universe that he has created. And it was, it was met like it's emotional. It was, it was actually pretty powerful and like action packed. Uh, I thought, um, and just the performances everybody gave, you know, minus maybe Bruce Willis. I mean, he's, he's not great anymore, but like no. in Shyamalan's world, it's just, he's very subdued, but Sam Jackson's performance as well as McAvoy's performance here was great. But I just loved how he just said, basically just, I'm not going to follow any formula from Marvel or DC, what everybody's been used to for the past 10 to 15 years. I'm going to do my own thing still and get it done. And I think it was just, just something completely different. And I loved how they ended this, this trilogy. I just, I think it was, inv- uh, smart, innovative, and just all about the characters and where they started and where they ended. And it was so good, even with his, like, cause there's, there's not just one twist to it is there's like two or three. <laughs> and I just love that. Uh, even with some, some people might think, that one of the twists is like silly. I just think that he's setting up this whole other world that we did not know before, because before we really were only subjected to only maybe these three people. And it just seems like, Oh, without really going into it, there's something much bigger out there. And I really think the movie being called glass. I mean, this is what it's all about. Like this is what Elijah's Sam Jackson's character was all about. And it's really cool how they did it. And yet, yes, Sarah Paulson's character, you know, in the trailers, she's the psychiatrist who talks to these uh, three guys telling them, like, superheroes are not real. And, yes, yeah, she says it. She completely says, like, hits it on the nail on the head each time, pummels you with, superheroes are not real. These, this is the reason for this and that. And we get it. But what Shyamalan did was just completely turn it all around, uh, around, uh, 180 and like make you believe in it. And it just, Oh, it was so good. So good. So that's where I stand on it. All right. Um, <laughs> Y'all are like that guy's a jackass. That's not right. No, 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 no. There's, a, there's, there's a lot of what you said that I, that I agree with. I think it is for me, I gave it three out of five stars. I think it's a fun movie. And a lot of it is me trying to, I guess that my dis or my, the the reason why I dislike it has to do a lot with um, what I was mentioning earlier with uh, the, it's a completely different style of filmmaking that Shyamalan is employing here versus what he did at the start of his career. And it, it just seems very amateur 
to me a lot of the things that he's doing, especially with the camera. And mm-hmm. me and Cole uh, talked about this on the phone briefly yesterday um, because we want to save a lot of our ideas for this particular episode. But it, it it was me trying to it was me wrestling with the film saying, God, I, like, especially after watching Unbreakable, it's like, man, I just really want that sequel to Unbreakable. But we got more of a sequel to Split that focuses more on Kevin's character, which is fine. He, he's funny. Our audience has laughed a lot, and he's what made the movie pretty entertaining. But I feel like a lot of the, the themes that it focuses on, and you, Brian, mentioned, you know, we've been through about 10, 20 years of Marvel films and superhero films since Unbreakable. And I did not think that there was anything innovative about the things the way that things end up in this film in the in the certain topics or uh mr glass's belief doesn't feel innovative to me it feels like a lot of stuff that we've already seen before just in a more contained way because he doesn't have 150 million dollars he has 20 million dollars but that's also not the kind of superhero movie he wants to make but I just didn't feel that it was innovative. I, I think that the characters are fun, but like I was mentioning earlier, with he just feels the need to explain everything to me. Like the the whole second half of the film is talking, 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 but it's not like that deep cutting talking that he did with Unbreakable and Sixth Sense, where you actually feel like you're getting further into these characters. You're you're being reintroduced to them again. And I understand that that's important because it's been 19 years since we've seen glass and, uh, Mr. Dunn, but, but I think within those 19 years, I do think that, you know, it looks like David Dunn is like kind of tired of doing it, but he's still doing it because he has to. And his son's kind of like helping him do certain things with it. But I think it's a, it's a Batman and, um, Alfred, kind of situation but correct and i and i think that you know with seeing elijah like seeing them later on in years this is kind of like what they are because of you know the system he elijah's been in containment but he's had this vision forever and he's just waiting for the right time to do it and it just goes to like his mentality of like you know the lex luther type of thing like he plans out way ahead and you know, succeeds sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I saw when I say innovative, you know, there's no sky buttholes in this movie. You know, there's nobody. You know, there's there's nothing. Nobody swinging Cole, around. Are you doing some dishes? <laughs> Sorry, I had somebody. You can cut this out. I had some. I had a, a UPS person delivering a package that kept knocking on my door, and I didn't realize that they were knocking on my door, and they just kept doing it, and so I had to go answer it. No worries, no worries. No, that's fine. We can leave it in. But keep going, Brian. Yeah, so I, I think um, – I, I do think that innovative – like there's there – there was no – you know, there's no sky buttholes that we've seen in every Marvel or DC movie <laughs> where, like, aliens come in or, you know, there's nothing like – what you're thinking, like, from a Marvel movie that you're hoping this movie would be, but I don't think it needs to be that movie. It's not that movie. Captain, Amer- Captain America Civil War. Hey, <laughs> got the master plan guy. Let him duke it out. People figure it out. There's yeah, no, but there's, his master plan. Go for his it. His master plan was actually good. At, le- at least it's actually calculated. Like, 
Elijah's Elijah Glass was like, okay, Beast, we're going to have you climb a building and act crazy so people know that you exist. It's like, this is like, what is this, like, fucking, like, King Kong? Like, I just thought that that was, like, to show, don't, don't tell me, show me. Oh, Elijah's so brilliant. You're so brilliant, Elijah. What did he do that was brilliant in that movie? Nothing. There was nowhere for his character to go. He just sat there comatose uh, for most of the film. Didn't really do anything. Not, there was nowhere for any of them to go except maybe Kevin. Um, no, I, I think really Elijah think. was the one that wa- – I mean we're not giving it away, but there was something he wants to do in the film. And through moving He's all the, the chess of all pieces, your pain. yeah, all the chess pieces around, <laughs> it happened in his favor exactly what he wanted to do. And I just thought that was great. Well, he's doing he's he's essentially doing what he did in the first Unbreakable movie. And I'm really trying to dance around spoilers here. It's really hard, but um, I mean he he's trying he's trying to find more more people out there that have these superhuman abilities. And so you have somebody that's at the opposite end of the spectrum, being Kevin, that has these metahuman abilities, and then you have Dunn, who had what was his first name? David. David Dunn. Okay. So he has those abilities too. But him the process of him figuring that out with David Dunn in the first one is way more interesting than in than in uh in this one. And so I you know, most of the time I do like when superhero movies are pretty contained and not and don't aren't just, you know, the the beam, the butthole beam that you're talking about and just CGI overload, like a Deadpool, first Deadpool movie. Pretty contained story, doesn't really need a whole lot of money to tell a, tell a great story. And so I just felt like they didn't do anything a whole that was very interesting, especially in that second half. I just really complained about that second half. But that that's, I mean, I'm going to just keep repeating myself where he just feels the need to explain everything. And so I predicted a lot of what happened in the end because one, I'm very familiar with his technique at this point, but at this point he's filling in more of the gaps and not letting me work as much as an audience member um, compared to how he did it before where, you know, even with split, like split, um, I did. I had no idea that that was going to be an unbreakable sequel. Uh, nobody really did until that score came in at the very end, because that, that's when it kind of happened for me. Um, and and then when you go back and watch it, you're like, God, I should have known this the entire time. Like he put all those little breadcrumbs there for me to find. And in this one, mm-hmm. I could just smell it right away. And um, it's fun. I enjoyed it to some level, but I just. It just felt really amateur to me. The way that he's filming it, the way that he's presenting the story. It's been 19 mm-hmm. years since the first one. He ironically needed more time to flush all these ideas out. By the end of the movie, it feels like it's being pulled in three different directions, and it just needed something that was more focused. But it's a fitting into the story, and that's what I said in my review. It's a fitting in the same way that The Dark Knight Rises is a fitting in because no matter what M. Not Shyamalan ended up pinning for this third chapter, we never would have been satisfied. 
I th- I just don't think it would have happened. People would find something to pick apart about it. And there's a lot of red marks that I put on this film. And because just that, I mean, the first one's great. We've mentioned that Split is a great movie. But the, the way that it ends just got you so fired up that you were just like, God, I want this so bad. And then when it, it, when it comes, you're just like, it just kind of lands with a thud, but it's a fun thud, but it's, but the, I guess just the comparison would just be dark Knight rises, you know, fitting end wraps everything up. And if, as long as you expect that as an audience member and nothing that's going to really blow you away, I think you'll be fine. But looking at it from a distance and where I can be a little more critical. It's very, it's a very problematic movie, but I still managed to have fun with it because Shyamalan's making B movies now, or he's walking a tightrope between movies that are a thriller in a B movie. <clears throat> and it's weird that he's just kind of embracing it at this point with the way that this movie's shot. It just, just really feels it's- like a B movie. It looks so, very soapy, very soapy. Yeah, shot. very glossy. Everything's like super shiny. And then when I revisited uh, even Split this morning, and they used the same cinematographer who did mm-hmm. It Follows, who did Split and Glass, and it just blows my mind that they make some of these decisions. And, you know, cinematography is just such a small ingredient compared to the entire picture. But it's just like what we were saying with Unbreakable. It's those subtle moments because the camera just really acted as a character Mm -hmm. and revealed certain things. And here he's just making like really random ass decisions. Like there's a fight. There's a fight scene where he puts the camera like like Guy Ritchie style, like on done as he's fighting the beast and. And it just felt random to me, and and I joked with Cole yesterday that it felt like the first Avengers movie, because you can go back and watch that film, and there's, like, Dutch angles, uh, angles where it's really wide, and you see, like, the character, like, on the far side, for no reason other than I just felt like he was trying to capture the complexity of these characters, but not in a clever way, more in an obvious way, and it just was tearing apart for me so all right all right yeah i I, i'm sorry you had fun with it (laughs) but i I want to hear you know it's it's just going to be one of those movies where we're going to spend some time with it you know like cole he mentioned when he was younger and saw unbreakable didn't like it and then so we may need to take some time with it to digest it but just initial reaction i just had fun with it because i was able to recognize that you know, Shyamalan's making more of B movies and goofy ass movies now, and not so much. He's not the Shyamalan that he was at the start of his career, and he probably won't ever be able to go back to that. But, and that's just a hard pill to swallow. But I think it it, it fun can still be had with it. But I'm still very overly critical with it. Yeah, I'm gonna go see it again. I'm yeah. definitely gonna go see it again. I think that people should see it again. It's funny because I yeah. just got an email from one of our readers as I was sitting here and uh, he said, I just read your glass review and it's, su-. he goes, I'm not going to go see it now. And I yeah. was like, I was like, man, nah, go, go, see it. go see it. I was like, go see it. Because there are people like Brian who like this film um, and really enjoy it. And I think that's valid, but I think for me, at least it all came down to 
Um, not necessarily what was promised in the movie, but the whole Sarah Paulson uh, plays a character named Ellie Staple, a suspicious doctor. Um, she's an afterthought in the entire film. Notice none of us have once brought her up. I did. Uh, yep. great I actress. did. Okay, okay, well, okay, yeah, you did, you did, you did. Uh, but it was an afterthought. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. To me, I was like, well, you know, and, and it just kind of ends up being a uh, dull hospital drama as far as I'm concerned. Um, at least from my initial viewing, I hope that I can have time to go see it again in the next week or so. But um, we will see how all that shakes out. I think it's supposed to make $60, $70 million. And good for him. Good for fucking him. Because I still want stuff like this to happen. I want this stuff. I don't want Knight to go away from filmmaking. I, I want him around for the next 40 years, 50 years making films. I really, honest to God, do. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of different iterations of this guy. I, I think that he seems like a filmmaker that um, maybe gets in his own way a little bit, maybe overthinks things. Um, yeah. I think that he should definitely uh, follow his instincts and really work with... I just don't understand the cinematography choices. That, to me, was my biggest takeaway. Um, the first five minutes, I smelled blood in the water for me. And um, there is a moment where uh, they show at the very beginning, they show how David, they remind you how David uh, uses his instincts that he has uh, to say it lightly. And I was like, that was an awful way to show that like that. I did not like it at all. And um, I just felt like it, there was nowhere for the film to go. Um, but it almost know, felt they, like they we're going to add 30 frames to it or something like that. I could, it's, it's almost like it wasn't widescreen. It was just like the whole screen. I don't know. Just something like just felt off to me. And I think even like the way that they're in the very beginning when they show like the camera just hovering there, like I was like, mm-hmm. man, you look at Unbreakable, it's still, you look at split, yep. there's shots that are still. And, and then there's a really long shot of, you know, when we're reintroduced to David and his son Mm -hmm. and how they have, you know, what they've been up to. And then it shows them at a computer desk and it's, the camera is just like trying to show them like, you know, a wide shot. And, and there's a lot of decisions just like that, where people are talking like almost directly to the camera. And it, it just really took away from the feelings that I feel like Shyamalan was trying to get me to feel but I just wasn't because of the way the filter that he was putting it through. Yeah. Well, Brian, how many times are you going to watch this movie this year? Oh, um, at least I'm probably going to, I mean, at least one more time, but hopefully I'll see it a couple more times in the theater at least. And then when it comes out on Blu-ray, I loved it. And like, I got emotional during it. I thought the filmmaking that he did was great. I I don't know. There we, I don't know. I, I, I'm jealous of you, though. I'm jealous that you love the movie. I wanted to so bad. And, you know, that's what all the reviews are saying and is disappointment. That is the word that is in most of the negative reviews on the film that I've seen. But it's not disappointing, read. though. It was, it was not but, disappointing. But to you, it wasn't. But I, I just think that people who can subvert, who are okay with the subversions, um, I think can for me more so the film it comes down to more the mechanics of it not necessarily because it it's a big swing I I just felt that um, we're gonna be arguing about this movie for years and years and years but that's why we love Knight so much that's why I love him so much I mean I want to watch making... the happening with you right now <laughs> dude I would love 
love to watch the happening with you. I was actually looking at uh, trying to rent it, but I uh, I now have Hellfest on my queue. It's at the very tip top of my queue tonight. I think I'm gonna watch that. Cool. Um, but uh, oh, and pledge and pledge. Speaking of uh, my bloody podcast, that's available to rent on iTunes. Oh, good. Bucks. You so, should but, watch that. That was super yeah. fun. I think you'll like it. <laughs> yeah, I was in a fraternity in college too, so I, I think that. But um, so yeah, I, I loved y'all's recommendations last week. But man, I. I don't know. I, my, I will also say my my girlfriend, um, who is an artist in her own right um, and knows a lot about film and whatnot. She saw 100 movies last year. She liked Glass. OK, okay. she gave it she gave it three stars. So she so I mean, so she's somebody who's not necessarily a critic, but uh, can take a movie on its own terms. So she did like the film um, out of the four of us, uh, including her. Um, I liked it the least. So listeners, take pay heed to that. Still, even if you, I say go see it. Go see the shit out of this movie. Go see it fucking twice, honestly. Um, because of that. Because I remember seeing Phantom Thread the first time two years ago. And I was like, eh, saw it again, blew my mind. You never know what could happen with a film. Um, right. So I, I like to take movies on their own terms and take it for what they're going for. And uh, I'm not just going to say, oh, it's a January movie, so this is guaranteed to be crap. No. This is, a, this is a filmmaker trying things and trying to reinvent himself. I think he should have played it a little more safe to what he does best. Um, but uh, that's, not from, that's not my choice to decide that. Um, that's a filmmaker's choice. I, I still think that uh, there's life left in in night, um, but I'm stoked that people are still liking it though. Like it's not panned universally. That's what you're gonna hear. But there are people who really like this movie, as we've heard today. So I hope that it doesn't just get this reputation of being a shit movie because I don't think it yeah. should. So no, that's yeah, my thing. It should. Other than the cinematography, the that's my thing. So, but um, yeah, go see the movie. I love it. Go see it. it. Go see it. Um, and I think that wraps up uh, our episode of My Bloody Podcast. Uh, lot, lots of fun, guys, this time around. The 34th episode of My Bloody Podcast. Preston, Damn. Cole, y'all are awesome. Where can they find you guys online? You can find me on uh, freshfiction.tv. Sorry. Oh. Beating me. Uh, I'm a features editor of freshfiction.tv. So you can find some of my stuff there, but I'm putting up most of everybody else's stuff when I can. Um, and I'm a film critic at Denton Record Chronicles, DentonRC.com, and got some reviews up, including Glass, if you want to see it in written form. There you go. Very cool. And Cole, where can I get you at? Oh, lordy, lordy. I say follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Grams by Cole, Words by Cole. Um, also I just wrote a, I do this, uh, monthly little write up that I do, uh, called critics notebook, uh, not a very original title, but I still like it. Uh, and I recently wrote about, uh, the new Halloween movie. I reviewed it, uh, in theaters and then reviewed the Blu-ray, but I also had a lot of extra things to say about that film and the fandom and my thoughts behind it. So, uh, that was published today at freshfiction.tv and I will be sharing that soon, but, um, yeah, check it out. Uh, let me know what you think about it, uh, good or bad. I don't really care if you think I'm awful and you think my opinion sucked. Tell me. I don't give a shit. Um, so uh, I, I want that feedback. I, I welcome it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, check it out. And Preston has to put up with all my writings and all my random shit that I talk about. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. 
Good deal. And we're just happy to have you on the podcast always. So Thank you. I love it. We love it. Um, but yes, we are on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Uh, email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will definitely be back next week with more horror goodness. And uh, be sure to te- check out Texas Frightmare uh, and check into heading there this May because it's going to be super fun. But until then, we'll see you soon.